0: Thank you for the uh, introduction, well, our Chairman. Also to Nicholas and the Capital Link team. It's great to be back uh, in, in Cyprus with Capital Link again after uh, a short pause. So, so thank you uh, for that. So, as, uh, as was mentioned, my name is Jason Cho, and um, I'm head of international finance at Hill Dickinson, and also head of the uh, Perez office. Um, I think probably uh, before I start the, the introduction, I should probably start with a brief apology. We're with a a session after lunch, Uh, then we had interest rates, inflation, and sanctions. So if you don't have indigestion now, I'm not sure when you will. But um, I'm hoping that the finance panel will be uh, a little bit more soothing. Um, There seems to be a lot more capital in the market, so um, I'll I'll, I'll defer to my uh, uh, panelists to to help soothe the discussion uh, a bit more now. So just to introduce uh, everyone, um, to my left, we have uh, Michael Burgess, who's an associate director at uh, Ascension Finance, Konstantinos uh, Milios, who's head of shipping finance at Eurobank Cyprus, Atef Abul Mehi, who's a managing director at Pelagic uh, Partners, and Andreas Christofiles, who's a board member at Safe Volkers Participation. So um, I think. To, to jump straight in and try and keep on top of the time, I think what, what uh, we'll start with is um, a brief introduction from each of the panellists. Um, I think we, we've got uh, uh, the advantage uh, of this finance panel having a number of different uh, perspectives, um, both both from banking, private equity, and the investment side as well. So I'll just pass uh, an initial question uh, on, on, on those perspectives, what, what each of the panellists bring to the to the capital table um, for the shipping um, and how they see um, uh, the finance market developing, um, whether over the next 12 months or, or beyond. Michael.
1: Essential finance, uh, Essential finance. we refer to senior secured firstly in debt, which looks um, very much like traditional bank debt. Uh, our team are made up of X shipping Professionals, shipping bankers, most of my colleagues have over 20, 25 years experience as uh, ship finance experts. We've deployed $225 million for 17 vessels in a period of about 18 months. Uh, in terms of assets, we are sector agnostic, um, but we have today focused on containers, dry and tankers. Yeah, in terms of structure, we are flexible, as expected as an alternative lender. We're flexible to age, employment, LTV, and recourse. And we traditionally have supported older vessels. Uh, We can finance vessel trading spot. Our LTV is typically around 70 percent, and we don't require uh, personal or corporate guarantees. Our ticket size, the range is between 10 and 50 million dollars, and our customer base are traditionally small to mid-sized ship owners looking to uh, grow that leap or refinance some of their own research.
0: Great, thanks, Michael. I think that was uh, quite a sales pitch, so Konstantinos, you're going to have
2: uh, a lot to live up to next. Thank you, Jason. Well, and many thanks to uh, Nicolas Pornois and his team for organizing another successful event in Cyprus. Uh, to be honest, I was about to remark that I represented boring the plain vanilla part, example, but at this level of interest rates might be mistaken as alternatives. So, <laughs> Euroban uh, Cyprus uh, is a subsidiary of uh, the Euroman Group uh, headquartered in Greece. We've been operating on the island for around 16 years now. We've been uh, following a wholesale dynamic primary coaching model, and based our growth on the presence both of local expertise, as well as uh, support, northern synergy with our parent group and Eurobank network uh, in the countries where it operates. Um, of course, part of the core part of our business is shipping finance. We are uh, traditional plain vanilla lenders working on a relationship model. Uh, while within this integrated relationship, with clients, we have the chance to uh, uh, offer a broad range of ancillary services such as transactions, wealth management, like banking, trade finance, uh, treasury products, etc. Whereas I work with us, uh, clients open the door to cooperation with uh, Eurobank in other countries and particularly relevant for our shipping clients are of course Eurobank in Greece and Eurobank in Luxembourg together with its uh, London office. Uh, we are very proud to belong to this group because uh, despite the fact that the bank is still relatively new in Cyprus uh, we enjoy a wealth of experience in shipping. Uh, our uh, head office uh, shipping unit has been, uh, has, has been ranked as the leading in terms of lending to Greek ship owners and Cypriot ship owners, the leading Greek bank and the second globally. And uh, we draw a lot of support and experience in every aspect from uh, assessing and implementing uh, transactions in a very efficient manner. In ship lending we are, uh, of course, we select very carefully our counterparties. And the preferred assets which are common, mainstream, with a more easily identifiable revenue pattern, employment, and values at any point in have. Thank you, And of course, we'll pass down
0: the question now slightly more to the investor side. I would ordinarily you know, ask about the million dollar question, but I think that the panelists on the end of the table is more of a hundred million dollar question. Um, so, with that introduction, I'll, I'll let Adep uh, get his views capital
3: for Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, so, as you mentioned, we are from the owner's side. Pedagic Partners is an alternative investment fund manager that was established around uh, three years ago by um, Dr. Niels Hartmann of the Hartmann Group and myself. So, uh, we are basically on the other side of the table here from the gentlemen's. Uh, we own and uh, invest into a diversified portfolio of uh, shipping assets basically we uh, we invest in everything that is basically floating on water whatever whatever makes sense in terms of uh, numbers whatever makes sense in terms of investment we live into We currently have approximately a fleet of eleven vessels with some new builds, which is focused on the offshore wind which we will touch upon when we go to the ESG part of this uh, of the topic um yeah other than that we are what The difference between between other fund managers is that uh, we have a bigger group around us and we try to utilize the expertise from the group, whether it's from the commercial aspect, from the technical aspect, um, in order to um, get back the best returns to the investors. Great. Thanks. And
1: pass it to Andreas.
4: Thank you. From my side, Andreas Kusofidis, thank you for uh, being here today. Um, I represent Seth Participations, uh, participation, the subsidiary of Seth Valkers. As you know, the company is uh, one of the leading operators in the dry bulk space, with uh, 44 uh, vessels and uh, 8 vessels in the order book. Uh, Participations, the subsidiary uh, was established in order to issue a bond, uh, which we did early last year, so it's a five-year uh, unsecured senior bond uh, issued in euros. It was oversubscribed for 100 uh, million euros, carrying an interest of uh, 295%. Uh, it was clearly um, a very successful attempt by the company to access the capital markets and in order to have more diversity um, as far as the credit availability is so, concerned. So.
0: Great. And I think that uh, the, the initial summary from each of the panelists, I think, probably starts to highlight that uh, you know, there's, there's a lot more different forms and sources of capital than, than there used to be. And probably recall over the last 10 years, sometimes it was difficult to fill a panel. And, and I think these days that there's, a, there's a lot more choice and options. So I suppose before we move on to financing options and deal types and, and, and the different options that are out there, um, I suppose just some uh, initial overviews which I'll throw open to, to the entire panel, in terms of how they see the, 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 the available capital. I mean, it seems almost very obvious that there's a lot more capital there. There's a lot more options, a lot more interest in investment. Um, is that very much what you're seeing? Is, is, is that uh, meaning that you know, for the foreseeable future, certainly in the next 12 months, we're, we're expected to see that availability of finance? that
3: perhaps hadn't been there for, for several years. I'll throw that question open to, to any takers. All right, so I'll go first. Um, you know, honestly, when uh, when I graduated in 2010 from my shooting studies, I was uh, thinking, what the hell am I putting myself into? The markets were so bad. Um, everything basically around us was very negative. And uh, now fast forward 10 years or 13 years later, the market is very kind of different. The dynamics is different. Um, in terms of having more capital around, we have seen this uh, come further more, especially through the interest that we have seen in the Middle East. We have touched on uh, upon a lot of equity in the Middle East uh, since uh, shipping is quite underinvested in the area. Middle East meaning more on the Arab world as well. Um, in terms of appetite from banks and alternative lenders. We have seen this also grow over the past three, four years. It has helped a lot, especially with uh, with assets producing some steady cash flow. So after the start between 2010 and 2017, eighteen, there was a dry market. I mean, in terms of equity and, and debt, it was quite high. A lot of oversupply to uh, to digest in the market. But recently, I believe from in terms of equity, more on private equity, perhaps on the capital markets, we have seen also quite, uh, quite activities in 2022, but on the private side, whether it's on debt lending or, or private equity, family offices, we've seen that there has been a lot of activity coming forward given the, the change of the past two years in terms of earnings that we have seen in the market, not just that, but also on, on the fundamentals that we have over the next 10 years, which is um, we believe uh, in a favorable position. Right, and, uh, Andreas, I, I just wanted
0: to pick up on one of the points you mentioned, obviously that, that, that with the bond issue, but uh, you know, that was also part of you know, diversifying the, the funding options, And so, so with that I'm, I'm guessing you're seeing you know, that, that there are those options out there, there's been a few obviously, players in the market that have been able
4: to do, to do the bond, and I just wanted to check your views on that as well. Absolutely. Um, I think it's important to have access to capital, I think it's important to diversify access to capital. And uh, yes, as we have seen last year, there were some um, some bond issues uh, throughout the whole spectrum of shipping. So not just dry bulk, but also in, other, uh, in the other segments as well. Um, I think what we what we saw last year, which was a momentum year for the financial markets, and clearly for certain parts of shipping, there has been a growing investor interest, for example in energy, LNG, in tankers, for example, as well. So. Yes, there is investor interest coming into uh, into that market, and I'm also sure if we look at the profitability of, um, of generally in the shipping industry, this has been quite high in the last two years. However, let us not forget, especially dry bulk, the very difficult decades that uh, we've been through, especially since the great uh, financial crisis. So, for us was great to really uh, not just access the market, but especially the bond which was addressed <laughs> to retail investors in Greece and was also the subscribe. It was a very big bond of confidence towards us, the company, the management. Um, and uh, yes, I think overall, so it's not just, let's say, public uh, credit, but also private credit as well, uh, which is very important. Great, thank you. And I think we'll start
0: to move on a bit more in detail to you know, how that, that mix of different available uh, funding is, is, is also affecting the market and, and, and you know, I suppose it's, it's closer to a bit more of a pick and mix of uh, different financing options and, and, and how those deal, deal types uh, you know, fit together, whether it's a mix of bank debt with private equity, with you know, more more structured transactions as well. Um, and ultimately, I mean, I think probably over you know, the last few, last few years, of, um, di- different types of financings that, that you know were perhaps considered alternative, even you know the the, the rise and to some extent dominance of things like these lease finance uh, and, and, and Chinese leasing as well as uh, European and, and U.S. leasing. But I suppose I want to sh- uh, shift the, the the question and the discussion to you know how how all of those deal types fit together. Um, I mean, I'll. And, and, um, Pass the next question to Michael. In terms of, you know, ultimately, uh, what what would have been considered alternative financingly from from not from being finance that wasn't coming from a bank, um, it's certainly a lot more mainstream uh, these days. And, and, and how you find, you know, from that perspective. Um, Fitting into the capital market. Obviously, you mentioned that uh, um, there's a lot of flexibility and perhaps more flexibility, and and, and how that fits in the market, as well as whether that's a mix of uh, adding equity transactions, joint ventures, and and those aspects as well. I think
1: um, the point I'd really like to get across is that we see that the alternative lender space, the traditional lender space. They're talking different markets, really. Um, we're looking for the, the smaller owners, the mid sized owners. If you're a larger owner and you've got access to traditional um, traditional banks, uh, at most likely cheap cost of capital, then I think that's definitely something that, that, that you should take. However, there's plenty of other owners out there who maybe don't have those relationships, or, or um, traditional banks are starting to come to the end of their, their concentration limits. Uh, or owners are looking to finance uh, slightly older tonnage. Um, so I think there's a place for, for both uh, in the market. Um, and then in terms of uh, flexibility, that's more to do with the way that I think we, we, we structure our loans. We, we tend to work backwards, so we look at our residual risk first, um, and then look at the cash flows. Um, and we, we might try and support, them. we work with our owners, but try to support perhaps, if they've got contract coverage at the beginning of the, uh, the facility, maybe slightly front-load the repayment profile in order to have those lower break-heavens uh, at the back. So, yeah, if there is a, a potential downside, they are uh, better protected. But equally, um, if the market continues to pick up, then uh, they will make any problems. Thanks, And I think uh, we're passing the question
0: to Konstantinos now as well, and um, being fr- from the, the traditional financing perspective, um, obviously that there are a lot more options and uh, with, with that there's um, um, competition as well and, and, and you know, what your views are on, on the, the, the different sources of capital now. Does that mean more competition? I mean we, we heard from uh, the, you know, the Governor of the, the Central Bank saying that the Cypriot banks have, have lots of liquidity. Um, so is the issue then the, the cost of funding and, and it, your, your views on, on, on from, from a banking perspective uh, of the different options
2: available? Um, from banking perspective, first of all, the, the market we are dealing with is uh, quite big. We tend to focus, uh, this is our uh, banks and our group's policy, to uh, create particular owners whom we know well, uh, with whom there's an established relationship, relationship. I believe that uh, our capacity uh, can uh, uh, can absorb, the market is so big, that our capacity can absorb enough uh, transactions. for for us to to, to achieve our targets. Uh, Of course, we have seen a rise in uh, in alternative finance. I believe that uh, it is healthy for the market to provide alternative ways of financing projects. What I would uh, remark is that uh, I believe that the lower cost traditional bank finance will increasingly become focused to more ESG Compliant players, uh, which is a trend that is uh, started, and we'll see more of it uh, as we well go uh, I believe that all uh, uh, different financing never will coexist, and it's helpful for them to be involved, provided they're focused appropriate terms and, uh, and ensuring the viability of the uh, clients and borrowers. Uh, I believe what we uh, don't like to see, because it is a turbulent period in uh, many respects is a any new shipping
0: crisis? Yeah. Thanks, you, know, so you, you touched on a couple of subjects, and I won't take us straight to the ESU side, or actually the, 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 the threats to shipping, uh, which are always you know, potentially around the corner as well. And, okay. and just, I think sticking to um, almost the deal type and the financing options is probably, I think, probably a good topic for, to have, that you know, we, 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 we pretty much there's been a the general consensus that actually all, all asset classes or sectors are, are, are attractive and you know, there's, there's generally funding available, um, but I suppose it's, it's, it's two questions in terms of, I suppose, from, from, your, from your perspective uh, and, and investor perspective as to, you know, uh, how you look to diversify that portfolio, you see sectors that are more attractive than others. Uh, we'll certainly move on to the kind of the, the, the eco um, aspects and you know, uh, fleet modernization as well. Um, but yeah, in terms of the financing and, and capital available, it, it, is it more available in, in
3: certain sectors than others? Or it, it, it's there's this consistency in that it's available to the market as a whole? Yeah. So uh, under Pelagic Partners, also that's how our structure is. We basically have various compartments and every under every compartment there is a different investment strategies so basically our first fund is focused on more opportunistic um, investments which we have done more sort of older vessel investment but again basically the assets we touch is the assets that we understand the assets that we can add value from the wider group behind us so uh, having said that the way we look into investments is basically in in a simple matter of uh, what can we bring to the investor and ourselves that can add value rather than just uh, pinpointing left right and center on um, on different categories so within within the fund one and yield fund there's uh, there's investments that are more driven on fixed earnings so basically the la- latest acquisitions that we have on the yield fund were focused on the tanker since we have seen that there is a good entry point during 2000 end of 2001 we started our tanker exposure up to 2022. Lately, we have taken over also a tanker. Since we believe it was more on a higher cycle, uh, we made sure that we fixed her on a long, uh, long time chart or, or relatively long time charter. So based on that, what we're also trying to focus on is to keep the conventional shipping in mind while also focusing on what's coming next. Therefore, with our latest uh, compartment electric wind, Arctic Wind Fund is basically focused on, on the wind offshore market, uh, so we have a set an order of um, six CSOVs, renewables, that we will start to get delivered in 2025 onwards. Um, this also gives a diversification basically for our investment and our investors from uh, the traditional conventional shipping to what's coming in the future where we believe that uh, wind offshore will play a significant market. Uh, will play a significant role in, in, uh, in the change and decarbonization of the world. Now, more on the financing aspect. On the, on the first two funds, since it's more <coughs> conventional shipping, we have been focused on sort of plain vanilla aspect, uh, approach with, uh, with our uh, uh, traditional lenders supporting us. While us on, on the Pelagic Wind, since it's more investment into the renewable space, we, we have been looking into various aspects, whether it's through uh, preferred equity structures with, with some uh, big institution investors, or even a potential listing, since we have seen that peers are also listing uh, on similar business models. But that aspect is, is also depending on, on what we see happening within the next 12 months within the wind offshore sector in, in, in general. So it really depends on the asset class. It really depends on the underlying market. Um, and, and based, you know, based on each market, you can then uh, put around the right uh, the, the right capital structure. For it.
1: Great,
0: thank you, and I think that, that brings us quite nicely moving towards the uh, the environmental aspects and fleet renewal. But um, I think and, and, and I'll let um, Andreas um, take us into, into that topic area as well. But just before moving directly into that, um, I suppose ironically that whilst we you know, there is a discussion, there's a lot more capital available. I don't know if it's by, by, by ironic or not, but there's obviously a lot of uh, deleveraging going on. There's a lot of debt repayments, perhaps that's, you know, repayment of extensive debt and opting for, for more traditional or more, more efficient uh, methods. But certainly, for example, in relation to the, to, to the bond issue, Andreas, you know, for a number of purposes. for uh, acquisitions, uh, I think deleveraging as well, and you know, payments to, to preferred stockholders as well. So in terms of the, the purpose and uses of the, the capital that's available, um, do you see that changing and, and certainly uh, uh, there is very much a shift for, for a lot of companies uh, you know, moving
4: into the, the, the eco-ships and, and fleet renewal? Um, well, first of all, I think it's important um, to have capital available. So um, it's not just the cost of capital, as the governor said earlier which is going up, and uh, very soon it will reach uh, quite high levels, levels that we haven't seen uh, since the great financial crisis of 2008. But I also think this will impact the availability of capital, because if an investor can invest at the risk-free rate, which is going to be 5%, and they can get 6%, then the hurdle rate is uh, is quite high. So it's going to be very, let's say, more difficult uh, for investors to Provide capital to the shipping industry, uh, whether it's the banks or whether it is uh, private equity or other types of uh, alternative capital. Um, with that in mind, I also think that the leveraging is uh, very important, like in, in, in any sort of industries, uh, especially when you have uh, when you've had, let's say, a good uh, a good time and uh, when the cost of capital is uh, very low. Because as it is uh, right now, with the cost of capital approaching these very high levels, uh, servicing uh, that debt is going to become uh, absolutely uh, fundamental.
0: And, and then just um, I suppose moving uh, slightly more to, to, the, to the purpose aspect and, and also into the ESG um, aspect, certainly a, a lot of that uh, resource is being used to invest in the uh, more, more eco-friendly new buildings um, and, and, and those aspects as well. So just just sticking with your address, in terms of um, is that likely to be one of the, the, the key, I suppose, um, uh, applications of, of, of one so uh, capital
4: is resource focusing yes, on that to um, So uh, as a company, um, we have invested significantly in, um, let's say, improving our environmental footprint um, all of the all of the uh, the new builds that are being ordered are fully environmentally uh, compliant, and uh, actually this is um, how do I say uh, It's not just a priority; it's an obligation uh, because, uh, like in other industries, uh, this will clearly impact the shipping industry, and I can very very much foresee. That either, let's say, institutional investors providing capital to a private equity fund, or for example, um, uh, from a banking institution, the ESG element is going to be very important in order to provide access to capital to the shipping uh, industry. So yes, uh, absolutely, uh, investing in uh, environmentally friendly uh, ships, um, let's say going towards net zero by 2050, but let me also just say that it's not just the environmental element of the ESG, but also the social aspect through
3: welfare as well. So these are also other elements that are very important in equation. I may add, um, because Andreas touched on a very important point, that's the logic, because we have different asset classes, and especially now with the new bills in the CSOP, we can also see the different... Way uh, or the different how the lenders are basically approaching us, so on on the new eco vessels that we are building, which will be um, one biggest battery pack on board, methane already as well, we see much more um, appetite and interest from uh, from lenders and uh, and uh, big institutions also on the on the equity rates, basically big institutional investors who currently don't want to hear more about traditional shipping or conventional ships, but are very very uh, eager uh, to participate and learn more about uh, the wind offshore part, so this shows that um, we are moving in that direction, and if we down the path with the conventional ships in- big institutional investors would slowly decrease their participation. It would be more private money, smaller family offices and uh, and perhaps uh, you know a, a much smaller sector of investors, while as the big pockets will, will focus on, on the next generation type of assets and that we can see already from now whether it's on the private or public markets. Right, thanks, and I think I'll,
0: I'll, I'll take that um, question back on to Konstantinos as well. and You mentioned the, the, the ESG focus and, and actually a few weeks ago with you know, Nicholas and the Capital Link team in, in Athens, uh, the, the, the large uh, international uh, banks there were very much in chorus in, in, in terms of the, the environmental focus uh, the, at the same time meaning that you know, there, there was with this competition um for, for those those owners that, that, are, that are focusing on uh, environmental um, and, and, and new building so yeah, I, I won't draw you on the question of, of margin and basis point but certainly you know there, there was discussion of close to one percent and these these types of things because of, of that focus um, but from your perspective, certainly uh, from from the banks and the, the financial institutions, um, they very much seems to be that focus on on the ESG and not just purely the,
2: the environmental aspects, but uh, you know, across the board. Yes, uh, absolutely. This is a, this is a case we are now undergoing a transitional period, say, where uh, this is a very stra- fragmented market. There are a lot of stakeholders involved, uh, owners. Uh, Charters, shippers, uh, traders, etc. So every uh, <coughs> group of uh, stakeholders is trying to uh, is being educated and uh, trying to adapt to these circumstances. On our part, we have not sent off a of the sign of course, But we definitely uh, have, as a group, uh, s- s- set ESG framework policies. And in ship lending we are in full compliance with our, uh, those policies. We have certain clauses and all agreements. Um, we do not uh, engage, we haven't taken the big step of engaging in green lending in the sense that uh, we would uh, finance uh, geofuel or uh, uh, ammonia or methanol or hydrogen uh, our vessels. But uh, we focus this stage on the sustainability aspect. And we do have some sustainability-linked loans, which are based on uh, specific uh, KPIs, which are uh, clearly uh, laid out agreed with clients. They are uh, measurable and they are achievable. And on this basis, we do uh, offer some benefits to borrowers when they when they achieve these KPIs. Right, and I suppose
0: coming slightly full circle, I think one of the interesting presentations uh, before lunch was mentioning that, you know, certainly the existing fleet uh, is, is, is not going to um, uh, be, re- be replaced anytime soon, so certainly the, you know, the, the, there's a lot of ships in the water that, that still need capital, still, still need financing, so I'll, I'll, I'll bring the question to Michael in terms of, you, you mentioned the word flexible a few times, so you know, fr- from a private equity perspective, there's, does that mean that it's easier to do i suppose to some extent slightly more traditional deals but but, but also to, to i guess be a bit more flexible in, in, in the market and um, for example older vessel vessels and, and what options there may be uh, from a private equity perspective
1: yeah i think that's absolutely right i think um to bear in mind lots of vessel has been built and that environmental capital has been spent how do we maximize the yield out of that and one of the ways is retrofitting as has been mentioned uh, numerous points throughout the conference today um, so we're starting to see a lot of inbound um, requests while the vessel is going to dry up during the term would we'll be able to um, apply a portion of the loan towards uh, retrofitting and that's something that we, we would definitely support um, and i think even if some of us don't have standalone codified uh, esg policies it's still built into the credit analysis yeah, but the more efficient ship is likely to command more uh, in the market, it's likely to have a lower opex, and it's likely to have a higher residual uh, value resale value. Um, so that's it's definitely something that we're, we're supporting. Well,
0: so far, it's, it's, it's all been sounding very positive. So I think it's probably only fair for me to bring, bring uh, the panel back to what they see as the potential threats uh, to, to, to financing in the future. I think we, you know, some some of those have been touched upon. I'm, I'm hoping the panel isn't going to take us back to the indigestion session uh, that, that we were dealing with before. But um, I think I'll, I'll start to... Um, throw that question open but actually perhaps um, either Andreas and, and uh, Tep, there's there's been the focus on, on, on new buildings um, and again one of the, the, the comments actually from, from, from DMB in, in Athens was you know be be careful with, with the new buildings let's not spoil the market and have lost. I think it seems that we are a little way away from that and, and certainly you know the, the, the existing fleet is not going to be replaced overnight but um, in that context, what what do you see as you know potential threats? Is it that you know capital is available now, but it may not be later? Is it cost of funding? Uh, you know, what what do you see as the potential challenges uh, to to the capital that's available at the moment?
4: So I think the availability of capital is closely linked to the state of the global economy. Uh, so I would rate this as the number one threat right now. Um, there is a lot of talk, especially in the U.S., whether um, we will have a soft landing or whether that will be, let's say, a policy accident by the us Fed. The discussion is still open, but I think at the current uh, levels of interest, uh, which would surpass 5%, maybe go towards 550. Uh, Some people say it might go up to 6%. I think the possibility of a policy mistake are increasing. Um, Should that happen clearly, it will have an impact uh, on the global shipping market uh, as well. So for me, Clearly, uh, the state of the global economy um, is, let's say, um, uh, an issue, as it is uh, the global uh, geopolitical
3: environment. Yeah, of course, uh, the, the global economy is, is, is the main driver, of course, for the shipping market. Um, however, we have seen uh, in the last great financial crisis in 2008 and 2009, the demand bounced back relatively fast, so um, I believe the favorable part we have now. The favorable, is working? Yeah. The favorable part we have now um, is, of course, the supply side compared to what was uh, back in 2009. Uh, all the shipping or all the shipping segments were heavily oversupplied going into the going into the global financial crisis and thereafter. So yes, we might have big uncertainties on the global economy. I, I see this more like a short-term uh, threat. On the long-term threat, uh, I believe that uh, this time is not, it's not different. Uh, it's always been the same if we go back to the history books, so uh, we will spoil the party ourselves if we if we go back to, to ordering or overspending. Um, I believe banks are, are being more more flexible now, so with more bank lending, there will be more uh, new orders coming in. And I think on, on the longer run, this will, ruin, uh, this will ruin the party rather than uh, short-term aspects. The last thing about the geopolitical uh, part, I think uh, shipping has always benefited in a way from uh, from such events. So uh, as long as we know how to ride the waves of the geopolitical crisis we're currently having and uh, keep our feet on the ground and not get too carried away with the, with what we have seen uh, and, and being able to manage our profits in the right manner, rather than just going back and, and doubling the fleet, uh, then uh, then I believe that would be the biggest threat that we have. I think that, because um, I mean, obviously over the, the
0: last few years, have uh, not necessarily been easy, you know, things like financial crisis, COVID, war, um, you know, it's, there's always a lot of challenges out there. I mean, as a bank, you know, you've you've been through a lot of difficult times. And, what do you see those those being from from a bank's perspective, and in
2: regulation or other, other aspects? Mm. The uh, the crisis I uh, seen different differently from a different angle in shipping, uh, usually done in other sectors. What is evident evidence in, uh, recent years that prices have negatively affected other sectors? Had a drop on? the Had prices? that negatively affected other sectors had a, uh, ended up very positive, positive for shipping. So uh, if there's a crisis that may affect uh, uh, trading routes, the ton miles, we see this as a benefit, course, for cross for shipping clients. If there's a crisis that may uh, permanently affect some asset classes with clients, for instance, that would be a point of concern. So at each point in time, we have to see what we're dealing with and uh, try to uh, have the best possible information and the best possible analysis on the impact that it will have on our clients, on our lending portfolio and on the asset classes that we work with. Um, The point of comfort is that uh, as a bank, as I mentioned earlier, we're dealing with the most common asset types. Uh, We are not experimenting. Uh, We don't have the capacity and capital size to experiment. So I believe by uh, continuing to to do our job, to do our proper uh, credit analysis to uh, uh, adjust our lending parameters and leverage according to the market conditions and the perceived point of the cycle that we are in. Um, I don't see a significant change in the way that we've been working so far and uh, we've been through a lot. Uh, So far, we haven't encountered problems. Our shipping uh, portfolio is uh, probably the healthiest or one of the healthiest uh, sector portfolios within our bank. we proceed with caution, uh, yeah. no experimentation, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, our clients also adapting to the new conditions and we move along with them, thinking of the environmental aspect, yeah. I and, I, and
0: I suppose in that sense there's been so many um, different diverse challenges over the last decade. Or so I suppose a, you, you, a, bit, a bit like COVID, you, you start to get a little bit of uh, immunity. Uh, in, in as well. And then before we start to draw to a close, uh, Michael, did you you want to
1: touch on the challenges? I think maybe from the other side, from our investor side, for alternative lenders, uh, cost of capital becomes one of the most important things. Um, As we have been able to deploy more, our cost of capital has come down, we've been able to pass it on to our clients, it's fantastic. but now with the current software curve, uh, the question remains to be seen as to uh, how our investors will um, react and whether they will start to demand higher returns. Uh, as it currently stands, they've been very supportive of us and, and, and we're still pushing our pricing down, so that's, that's great. But just in terms of the future uncertainties, that's something that's on the horizon and, and we're aware of.
0: Great, thank you. And um, actually, normally I would, I would draw to a close asking to this, uh, for the panelists to finish on positive notes and, and the positive things that they, they see, but I think probably um, uh, summarising myself that, that actually that, that there's a lot more capital, a lot more different perspectives and, and investment diversity in that capital as well, so I think that's probably the, the, the biggest positive that, that I would take away before I think handing back
1: to David Thank you, Jane. I think you've made a, hell of a good job, actually, and uh, I'm very relieved to hear that uh, all the, the uh, friends on the panel, in fact, would not want well, to use your expression used earlier about using causing indigestion, well, thank God we're not going to have any indigestion because I never mentioned any of you. Mentioned the threat which we're haunted by, the Poseidon principles. Um, that's a bit of a, a, another can of worms where they're trying to bring another improviser in to go and regulate. How often ships should be environmentally friendly, which is literally putting too many cooks in the kitchen at the expense of the owner. So I'm quite relieved that I never heard any of you bring that up. So obviously that's one, number one on your agenda. On that note, I'd like to thank you very much. Um, thank you, panelists. And as we said, I think sometimes in banking, I think you guys go by
2: the principle that better the W you the know than the one you don't. Thank you.